Welcome into your betting preview for this week's Sony Open. I'm Rick Game with that right there, Andy Lack. Andy, good to see you, pal. Good to see you, man. Miss you already. Um, but I'm super excited to chop it up with you about this week. First full tournament, first full field tournament of the year. Yeah, first full field tournament of the year. A lot of like our guys are in the field. We'll talk about those. But before, well, not the guys I drafted in my season long draft. Well, speaking of which, you are going up against those pesky Palm Beach coconuts this week. <laughs> I am. And uh, I'm in the. Let me ask you a strategic question. Would you ever consider dropping somebody that you drafted in like the sixth round to fill out a roster? Uh, I would wait as long as possible. Now I can see that Joe has six guys playing, so I he sure I, does. I think, uh, I think, yeah, I would. I think I would. I mean, I think there's a really good chance that you're going to end up getting them back, you know, in the following week anyway, or something like that. So I think that it is pretty essential to be filling out your roster. At this so point. you would, you would feel comfortable dropping somebody like Jason day or Ricky Fowler for Russell Knox or Kevin Streelman. I think if somebody's in a position like Joe and has the ability to fill out a field this week and I saw somebody drop Ricky Fowler or Jason day, I'd pick him up. I'd stash him. That's uh, what I'm concerned about. I, I, I understand. I, I just think like you're, you're just going to punt You're I mean, if you're coming, you're just going to punt this week. Well, I think I'm good. I, I mean, I did. I dropped Taylor Moore for like Strelman who I have big hopes for this week. Um, but yeah, I was planning on fielding a team of four. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> to lose my guys, field, Rick. Yeah, I don't want to lose my guys. If you're planning on, if you're planning on fielding a team of four, yeah, don't, 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 don't burn those guys. I mean, you're, we're going to get into a better, a better stretch for you very, very soon. I agree. I agree. Well, anyway, let's, let's dive into Sony yeah. open week. So we've got, uh, outrights on tap. We've got matchups on tap. We've got props that are out and available. We'll talk one and done at the end of the show. You are going to need to put your one and done selection in for this week. If you join the Rick run, good run and done. This is week number one. But before we do that, let's start talking about the outrights here and this is the grid via uh, odds checker so that we can shop all of the different books and find the best lines available on the top of the board sub 20 to 1 tom kim your betting favorite 11 to 1 sung jm at 14 jordan speed the best number available on him is 16 to 1 and then brian Harmon at 18 to 1 andy let's talk about this portion of the board before we move too far well, I guess the conversation is essentially to Tom Kim or not to Tom Kim. And yep. you know that I am way lower than market on Tom Kim in general, but I don't have a bad thing to say about him this week. I mean, look at the way that he hit the ball at the Tournament of Champions. I, My big thing with Tom Kim, the reason why I'm lower on his superstar potential than others is because I have concerns about his ability to compete at major championships because of his lack of distance off the tee. Now, with that being said, this is a guy that could win the Wyndham, the Heritage, and the Sony Open every year for the next 15 years, right? Like these are the end of players, by the way. These are perfect, perfect spots for Tom Kim. And I didn't get there personally, but, you know, especially with this trend of favorites just continuing to produce, I can't really fault anyone for betting him at 12 to 1 this week. Uh, he's gained at least at least three strokes on approach in eight straight events, and I will probably not end up betting him 
outright either because there's like nine guys I've been waiting four months to bet, and I'm probably going to go in that direction. But I'll get my exposure to Tom Kim in one-and-done scenarios. I've got him on my season-long fantasy team. I will bet I will bet matchups and groups and stuff like that. So I will get access to Tom Kim this week. It probably just won't end up being in that outright market. Um, if it's not Tom Kim, Andy, is there someone else at the top of the board you'd prefer to fire on, or are you just going to skip the top altogether? I'm going to skip the top altogether, but I'm monitoring, I'm monitoring the Jordan speed situation. Um, he is on my radar, uh, for some upcoming tournaments. I think this is a pretty good spot for him. We've seen him win the heritage last year. He doesn't play this tournament every year, but he does have a third place finish here in the past. Um, He's probably like my one and done DFS guy at the top. I liked enough of what I saw out of him last week. I know he didn't hit his irons well, but I was really encouraged to see that he at least putted okay again. So probably Spieth would be my favorite at the top, but that's more for DraftKings and one and done purposes. 16 to one still feels a little short to me now. Yeah, and Brian Harmon at 18 to 1, he might just go out and wipe everybody, but this guy hasn't won in 6 years, has not played particularly well at Wiley in 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 recent trips four in a row. I think no better than 32nd. How in the world could anyone realistically bet Brian Harmon at 18 to 1? Can't do it. Life's too short, man. I mean, here's my thing. If you want to bet Brian Harmon at 18 to 1, why don't you just bet like six Kevin Kisner's, Mackenzie Hughes, JT Postons, and like all of those guys, Hayden Buckley's, Adam Svensson's, Alex Smalley's, like just bet every single one of those guys. You could pr- probably bet six of them for the same price as Brian Harmon. So that's a no for me. Which almost certainly guarantees his victory, but makes absolutely <laughs> no sense. 20 to one range. That's Hideki, Corey Connors, Russell Henley, Tom Hoagie back at it again. As short as 22 to one, as long as 28 to one. If you're using the grid, there's a big drop off after those names, Andy. So is this a realistic place to start your card or are we just going to keep trucking down the board? Yeah, you know, I have some decisions to make in this range, probably regarding a Corey Connors or a Russell Henley, but my favorite bet of the week this week, the first bet that I made was Cameron Davis at 45 to one. Um, one thing that I wrote about in the Rick Run Good preview, which you can find on the site live right now, that I, you know, haven't really heard mentioned enough is that the tour actually made like a relatively notable setup change this week. The rough is almost an inch long thicker. Now That probably makes some sense given that this is, I love this course, but it's a bit outdated due to modern technology and tour standards. And we've seen without wind, that winning score start to creep up to the 25 under range. So in terms of the property, Rick, this is not really a course where they have the ability. It's just, there's not enough land for them to add 500, 600 yards to this course. So I guess the way that they're fighting this realistically is to make there be a little bit more of a penalty for wayward driving. And I think that falls right into the hands of a player like Cameron Davis, who's one of the best drivers of the ball in this field. He actually raises his baseline on shorter courses, which I found interesting. So I thought 45 to one was a steal on him. Yeah, I'm going to be betting my guys, right? Like Cam Davis and give me that Taylor Montgomery action. And then I'll get to like, five guys that are longer than this, but um, 
there are some higher upside guys, some guys that we saw at the President's Cup in here as well, like KH Lee lurking at 40 to 1, Adam Scott as short as 33 to 1, as long as 45 to 1. JJ Spawn played well last week as short as 35, as long as 45. Is there anybody kind of in this mid tier that you think is worth a click or two? Yeah, I love Keith Mitchell. It goes along with the theme of driving this week. I also am a big fan of Siwoo Kim and Alex Smalley. Shout out, Duke. Let me ask you a question, Rick. Are you surprised that YLI has the second highest correlation in terms of course history and success to Augusta National? Did that surprise you? It surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I would not have, I would not have guessed it, right? If you said you're in the top five, what like guess the top five most correlated? I would, I, I don't think I would have ever gotten there. But I guess it makes sense. A lot of guys are going to start there. A lot of guys might spend their off seasons doing the same things. You're going to get a lot of healthy guys. You're going to get a lot of reset guys. So I guess, I guess it makes sense. But I would not have, I would not have gone out and, and ever guessed it. Right. And I've played dozens and dozens of Rainer courses. My high school course was a Rainer courses. There is some nuance to his courses. So I certainly can understand the fact that certain players are going to perform here year after year. Um, one more quick question for you, because I've heard this been talked about a lot this week. Are you a big, I know we're both a little bit cooler on trends in general, but how much are you buying into like the, what is it? Eight of the last nine winners have played the tournament of champions. I don't care. Me neither. Um, I love. I'm I glad love, I found a friend in that. I love the data. I love that the data has been compiled, but that those are the best players. Um, <laughs> no. So of course they're winning. There's a reason they were in the tournament of champions. You know, it would be one thing if it if it was just there was a full field, you know, open event last week, and eight of the last nine played there or something like. You know, it's just like they qualified for that event because they had really good seasons, or they showed that they can win um then you come here and it's like okay it makes sense i think i think the top eight or nine guys in DraftKings pricing played last week and that ref that's reflective of the odds board so you're basically just saying is one of the top like 10 or 12 players on the betting board going to win this event and more often than not the answer is probably yes for a lot of tournaments not just this one Okay. And I'm with you, by the way, 100%. And that makes me feel a little bit better about my Keith Mitchell love, about my Siwoo Kim love, about my Alex Smalley love. Um, Alex Smalley, just to give him a quick shout out. I mean, he was playing some of the best golf in the world to end the fall swing. Three top 12 finishes to end the fall swing, including back-to-back -to -back top fives at the RSM and the Houston Open. Both Bermuda courses. One of those is a short coastal course. I actually think that Sea Island is one of the better courses you're going to find in terms of comps for Wileye. So um, I'm pretty big on Smalley this week. Did you draft him? I, I have a weird, I, I can't remember whose team he's on. I, I definitely, he was on my radar big time. Uh, yeah, me I don't too. think he actually ended up on my team. I think we both missed him. Yeah. He is on the four horsemen. That's Keith Stewart's team. Yeah. Good pick, Keith. Well, yeah. I'm high on Smalley this week. Yeah, uh, yeah, he did not want that fall portion of the schedule to end. T11, T4, T5 coming down the stretch over his last three. Let's talk some long shots here. This is where I could really get the boys, right? Hayden Buckley, who we've talked about a lot, mm. drives it so well, as short as 65 to 1, as long as 80 on the grid. Um, you know, Nick Hardy has been 
phenomenal on approach. He's a hundred to one. Will here's here's a big discrepancy on the grid. Will Gordon, who's been lights out uh, over his last fifteen starts across the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour, as short as sixty five, you can find hundreds on him out there. So this is where I'm just going to be piling up the back end of my card and saying, yep, first tournament of the year. Let's roll. Yeah. Will Gordon, sign me up. Hayden Buckley, sign me up. We talked about how this year I think there's going to be uh, a little bit more of an emphasis on accurate and powerful driving. Um, Gordon fits that bill. Hayden Buckley even fits that bill even more. I mean, Hayden Buckley is incredibly accurate off the tee, and he's played the Sony Open once and already finished 12th. So he checks the course history box as well. So Gordon, Buckley, and then the one other long shot, and I'm really trying to make a concerted effort, Rick, to like, not get too crazy with these guys farther down the board because we just have enough evidence at this point that they are not winning at the rate that justifies how much I bet them. But Ben Griffin, too, I think is a name to watch out for this week. This was a guy that kind of burst onto the scene at the Bermuda Championship. Probably not a tournament that a lot of people watched or paid attention to. I watched and paid attention to it because I'm a crazy person and I bet Ben Griffin that week and I watched him completely wilts down the stretch on Sunday and blow that tournament. But I actually like the fact that he's uh, faced a little adversity in his early career and felt the Sunday pressure at such a young age. This might be better suited for a DraftKings or a top 10 play, but I think Ben Griffin shows up in a big way this week. Yeah, he got off to a slow start. He missed the cut at the Fortnite, then had a pretty darn good fall where he made six cuts in a row, highlighted by that T3 in Bermuda, also had a T16 in Houston, finished the year in Sea Island with a top 30. So, yeah, I mean, Ben Griffin's been playing really, really well. Um, it also, both for uh, just his, his advanced metrics and his, his fantasy scoring along the way. Okay, let's turn our attention here, Andy, to some matchups. And... I fired up Brothrow this morning, uh, okay. and Broth yeah, Brothrow is you. You don't pay the house the rake, right? So, so it's it's rake free to the house, and you are getting a time. I mean, there's there's a couple dozen different matchups in here. Ben Griffin minus one fifteen over Davis Thompson, Will Gordon, a guy we just talked about plus one hundred five to Nick Hardy, and then obviously the bigger names that you'll that you'll see as well. Tom Hoagie, a favorite over Billy Horschel, Corey Connors over Tom Hoagie, which is pretty interesting in its own right. Um, is there any player that you want to target to side with on matchups or any player that you want to start picking on in matchups? Have you heard about this Billy Horschel thing? Did you read that Sports Illustrated article, Rick? Uh, I don't think so. I think there was a Sports Illustrated article that came out where Billy was talking about how he was going to withdraw from this event because his swing was so screwed up right now for lack of a better term. Um, but he's still on the board for some reason. And I, I don't really know what's going on there. He did lose 6.6 strokes off the tee at Kapalua. So it does kind of check the box of he had such maybe a good weekend though going he had on there. Such a great weekend. No, no, I know completely, but maybe I'll, I'll send you the article after because there was something talking about, Billy Horschel is not, he doesn't feel that his swing is right right now. Um, and I see that matchup with Tom Hoagie and that kind of has my attention. Okay. I'm on the media site right now. There's no official WD. So the only, the, la the latest thing that was on here is Charlie Hoffman withdrew off the alternate list. So don't, you know, don't, don't get involved with Charlie Hoffman. And then James Hahn withdrew 
Dylan Wu in the field. That's the latest update. I have not seen word from Billy Horschel as of late, but that's something, I mean, something to to keep an eye on, especially if he gets off to, uh, I mean, I saw guys that were piling up matchups against Xander last week, you know, you get off to a slow start. Maybe Billy Horschel says I've, I've had enough. I don't know. I've, I've, I've not heard that, but something to definitely monitor over the course of the next day or two. I have it right here. So this is from a Sports Illustrated article. Uh, well, I'm hitting it like crap still, Horschel said Saturday after his bogey-free 64 that included seven birdies and a finishing eagle. But I've realized the last two days that it ain't going to get any better swing-wise, so I've got to figure out how some way to get around the golf course. Since it's a new swing, Horschel is really flying blind on how to adapt the changes effectively when his swing starts to abandon him. So he has decided that one last round on the plantation course will be enough experimenting and he will skip the Sony open next week and fly home to work more with Anderson. Who's his coach to prepare for the waste management in Phoenix at the beginning of February. Interesting. That is in sports illustrated. Um, that was sent to me in a group text, kind of just the screenshot of that portion of the article. So I don't actually know who wrote the article. I could probably find it to you and send it to you after, but that's an, I mean, it's very, these guys change their mind all the time. Like yeah, we do. saw it last week with Xander, where Xander posted on his Instagram a day before, like, I'm fine. My back's fine. Took a couple of swings. It's like, okay, no, I'm going to withdraw. So maybe Billy's kind of in that zone where he's like considering working on his swing, but maybe he feels good enough mm. that he can compete at Sony. It's enough for me to just stay away in any right. Okay, fair enough. We will keep an eye on that situation moving forward. One of the ones that um, stands out to me here, and and I guess – I mean, Corey Connors is a pretty significant favorite over Tom Hoagie here. Tom Hoagie's been awesome. So Tom Hoagie's plus 115 to Corey Connors. Is this strictly because Connors can only putt in Hawaii? Like, I don't understand why, based on recent form or really anything, why Connors would be this big of a favorite over Tom Hoagie. Right. Um, Recent form, it doesn't really check the box. I mean, This Corey Connors putting at Sony thing is a little bit like, I'm not sure if that's something I'm willing to just totally ride for. Yes. He has putted well at this course. Um, I don't know if it's like a large enough sample size for me to really bank on the fact that this is something that's going to continue every single year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that both of these players fit the general profile that I'm looking for this week. I think, as you mentioned, it's just the price discrepancy that I think is a bit much for me. I just posted a couple of, if you want the, if you want the other side, if you want the Connor side, I just posted them in our group. So we have a, a shout group out on, Andy W. Yeah. Andy W. My guy, we have a group on bro throw rick run good there's 48 open bets at the moment we've got 292 members that's pretty sick would love to get that over uh i'd love to get it's like a thousand but you know let's start let's start with 300 or 400 so we can just bet bet all with each other so there's a link in the description it's brothrow.com slash rick um just kind of scrolling through here you know russell henley getting plus money to brian Harmon. Um, Hideki getting plus money to Brian. I'm just not a Brian Harmer believer at the moment. So there's a lot of really interesting little options on here and, and plenty of them, Andy. Yeah. And why would you listen? I I just don't think that the odds and the DraftKings price and the love in general lines up with who Brian Harmon is as a player. I mean, he's a guy that is going to fill up the stat sheet a lot of the time and probably looks quite good in models, but as you mentioned, he hasn't won in six years. Like I, I just, 
I don't think I can see myself getting to him in any format this week. Um, if you scroll up a little bit, I saw Davis Thompson and Ben Griffin. That's one that I would probably go for on the Griffin side. Yeah, Ben Griffin minus 115 to Davis Thompson's minus 105. Also, the one that got me was, could there be any ma- a matchup of any two more different golfers than Ryan Armour and Joseph Bramlett? Like there those- could not. And I think I'm a, <laughs> I'm such a sucker for Ryan armor. You know, he models out so well in these short positional courses, but like objectively just like, isn't a good player. Um, but you know, you look at his numbers and it's like, Oh my gosh, is Ryan armor a top 10 wedge player in the world? Um, so I never know what to do with him. I never get him right. But farther down the board, if we're talking like extreme long shots, guys at the bottom, of your DraftKings teams, guys, for maybe like top 40s, um, I'll probably get suckered into Ryan Armour again. Good call, the one you just mentioned, too. I'm definitely taking Davis on that. Yeah, right? I'm just going to throw one of those out there real quick and, and see what happens. That's Davis over Bezadenho. Davis uh, plus... Actually, uh, I thought it said plus one hundred when I just when I just selected it, but it's my, minus one fifteen here. I'll 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 certainly take that. So, yeah, there, there's a lot happening on Pro Throw. I'm going to throw out some more later. Uh, join our group. The props are actually up, Andy. So the props Let's are up. So we'll do props. We'll do one and done. I'm going to take a thirty second coffee break. We're going to run Andy's ad, and I'll get set up for the props on the other side. Andy Lack is one of the nerdiest golf guys that I know, and I mean that as an absolute compliment. His knowledge of course architecture allows him to create some of the most actionable course previews available, and he offers up pure expertise on his own podcast, the Inside Golf Podcast. Twice a week, he offers course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategy for every PGA Tour event, and he expands the universe by bringing on entertaining and knowledgeable guests who can offer a different viewpoint of the game that we love. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. The props are live. Okay, let's go. So, why lie? Um... Now, now, now this Billy Horschel thing is just like rolling it's in, in your head. Yeah. It's incepted my mind too. Yeah. I actually think though, <laughs> like taking a stand one way or another on Billy Horschel, like at least the props market, at least on price picks, I can do it one round at a time. Right. So, so, right. so his opening round line is 67 and a half. This is a par 70. So he'd have to get to three under to hit the under. And then obviously anything worse than that is going to be the other side of it. And I'm just like, wow, if he's like really that like concerned about it, he's really kind of stuck. Like maybe I just kind of take his, take his word for it and take over on 67 and a half. But uh, yeah, he's living, he's living rent free in my brain right now. I was thinking the over two. I just think in general, these feel a little low to me. Just a little bit low to me. Um, like Webb Simpson, 67.5. I'd probably take the over on that one, no? Uh, listen, you're I, like you're either a buyer of Webb or you're not, right? And I'm, I'm very much in wait and see territory here. It has been a long stretch of not very good play, even at courses. I thought the biggest red flag was we went to some web courses, which he's always been phenomenal at, and he still struggled there. So yes, I'm, I'm picking on web until, until he proves me otherwise. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, and I mean, this is one of those places where, you know, Wyndham, RSM, Sony open, you can generally for like the last decade, just plug him in and feel pretty good about it. 
that's faded for me a little bit. I, I kind of played that game last year where I played him at all of these events and he really didn't deliver at the way that I thought he would deliver. So I'm kind of in wait and see mode with, uh, with Webb Simpson. What are you looking at there? Is that, is that greens so and regulation? This is greens and regulation. And I was thinking, so you mentioned it earlier. They're, they're growing out the rough a little bit and not that three inches is, outrageous but three inches of bermuda is like not always super fun so what i was kind of looking here is guys that do not drive it well uh their greens and regulation number thinking about how they're gonna have to extract themselves from those lies a little bit more often than their more accurate peers I agree. I think that's a fair analysis. I mean this is a course that generally features a pretty high greens and regulation percentage, but some of these numbers still feel a bit steep to me. I think one of the things that I always look for is they price picks doesn't always do the best job of like adjusting for specific skill sets. Right. So like somebody that is an elite iron player and somebody that is like a fine iron player will often have the exact same number in terms of greens and regulation or fairways hit for that number. They don't usually do a lot of adjusting for specific skill sets right so like for example hideki at 14 versus billy at 14 right statistically hideki is like miles ahead of billy horschel in terms of iron play so i think what i would do is i would look at kind of these specific skill sets and see if you can find price discrepancies across the board yes there are also um i'll pull this up real quick this is on rickrungood.com this is now under the um the power rankings where you can see fairways and greens and regulation compared to their peers. So we're, we're on greens and regulation right now. Um, you know, Brian Harmon leads this field in greens and regulation over his last 36 with Tom Kim and Tom Hoagie, Emiliano Grillo kind of coming in behind. I'm scrolling down here to try to find some of those other guys, you know, Corey Connors averaging 12 and a half. Obviously it matters on how big the greens are and a lot of other things, but you can use this to kind of get, an idea of um, some of these guys that are being listed and they probably should not be listed together. So this, this data is available for you. It's on rickrungood.com. Um, one other thing, Andy, we saw last year, and I want to go back and see if we're still getting the same things. Yeah, kind of. Um, these birdie or better matchups. Yeah, are, those are fun. Yes. And what we saw, we had a guy, his name was Andy Mentel. He actually tracked this for like a full season. I mean, there, were, there was like I remember hundreds this, yeah. and hundreds and hundreds of these over, you know, over however many weeks, because there were four rounds. If you just took the headline guy and took the over. So, if, so birdie or better matchups are always set at zero. So if you mm -hmm. think Jordan Spieth is going to make more birdies or better than Cam Davis, you would take the over. If you think Cam Davis is going to do it, you'd take, you'd take the under. And the overs were just a ridiculous winner because you get guys like, no offense to Austin Smotherman, but like Matt Kuchar versus Austin Smotherman. Well, Matt Kuchar's got – his odds to win this tournament are twice that, if not more, of Austin Smotherman. He's being priced in every market better than Austin Smotherman by a significant uh, a significant margin. If you just started taking the big discrepancies, uh, the numbers for at least last year were just piling up in favor of the overs. Right. It's a lot of like this line feels a little bit too good to be true. But then if you actually do the math on it long term, it's just another example of 
prize picks just doing their thing. And sometimes it seems like they prioritize their sharper lines with sports like NFL and NBA, and you can catch them sleeping on, uh, on golf. There's actually a question put out on Twitter the other day. That was like, if you had to pick one between outright betting and DFS to only do for a year to make money in golf. And I was like, honestly, option C, I would choose prize picks. Yeah. If I'm really just talking about profitability and I had to choose one thing that I could only do, right? I'd choose prize picks. Yeah. For a year and just try to take your like seven percent or whatever it's gonna end up being it's not i'm not necessarily saying it's the sexiest option but if i'm just saying if you are telling me you have to pick one to make the most money it's prize picks and i don't think it's particularly close yeah uh if you haven't gotten on prize picks we have a code it's rick there's a link in the description it'll get you a hundred to hundred dollar deposit match so you can get involved and start taking advantage of these lines finally andy let's talk one and done uh if you're in the brand new you know, Rick run good, run and done. Uh, first selections due this week. We are live. There were a lot of people, Andy, who were very excited. And I got about two dozen messages last week that said, Rick, uh, oh no, I, I can't get my pick in. It's not letting me put my pick in. I don't know what to do. Well, it starts Sony Open Week. Are we completely full? Oh yeah, we've been full for like 10 days. Yeah. Dude, I am so happy that I got in. Yeah. I I, I kind of like waited a little bit too long, but I am in and I'm ready to go. And we also have our personal one, which Correct. I requested to you if we could start over at a new season. I don't even remember who I picked last week. I'll, I think it was like Aaron Wise. Yeah, I'll pull that up uh, in just a second. But while we're while we're waiting on that, um, let's kind of talk through some options this week. This is okay. not. A big purse, right? I think it's eight. Let me see right here. Sorry, 7.9 million full field event. Describe to me the caliber of golfer you'd be willing to use here. Anyone under 50 to one, I think. Um, It's not a big purse, but you don't have a ton of big names that you're losing. Like, Again, I think Tom Kim's a really interesting case because I'm not playing Tom Kim in one and done at majors. Now, do I think Tom Kim is an excellent option at the Heritage? Yes. Do I think Tom Kim is an excellent option at the players? Yes. Um, how many people do you think, though, are going to say, well, I don't want to bet Tom Kim at 12 to 1, so I'll just use him in one and done? Interesting. A lot. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like I we th- play this game every week where we try and predict who's the guy that is the highest owned in like the big run and done contest. Who is your pick for that? I think it's Tom Kim. For I think me. it's definitely going to be Tom Kim. I'm going to pull up the site wide picks. Yeah. Okay. So this is on. Uh, so Office Football Pool lets you see this. I'm not like hacking into the back of the system before anybody like says Rick has some unfair advantage. If you play on Office Football Pool, they take all of the pools, hundreds of them, who knows, thousands of them, and tells you across the entire thing who's being picked the most. Tom Kim's 16% owned in one and done selections. Corey Connors, 15.4. Russell Henley, 11. Tom Kim, 10. There's the only four in double digits. Then Sung Jay at 7.9. Brian Harmon, 7.3. Hideki, 5.6. So after learning that, Andy, um, I, I'm i happy to save Tom Kim. I probably would have played Corey Connors, but if he's going to be the second highest owned 
I'm not that great. I, I'm actually kind of now considering running Hideki back out. I was going to say Spieth. I mean, I think that both Hideki and Spieth are really underowned in this spot. And I really like Keith Mitchell this week too. Like Keith Mitchell, 1.7%. Jordan Spieth, 3.2%. Is Tom Kim 5X times more likely to outperform Jordan Spieth this week? I don't think so. Is he 3X times more likely to outperform Hideki Matsuyama? I don't think so. I wouldn't take Tom Kim minus 300 over Hideki or Spieth. So, yeah, I think some of these guys in the lower... Like, if you want to get in Tom Kim this week, and I haven't looked at DraftKings ownership, just, like, bet him in a matchup over Hideki. Bet him in a matchup over Spieth or something like that. Because I think that you know, there's going to be a time where he's going to falter and you're going to get a little bit of a break on him. You are buying him at his absolute high point right now. This is like a team that blew out another team 45 to nothing last week. And now they have a home game on prime time. Like you're just buying him at an absolute high point right now. The just pure, like zoom out, um, if you presented me a scenario with no week to week biases, nothing that I would know from recent stuff. If you said that there are two guys who are in the top four of the betting odds who are sub 6% owned mm-hmm. in a one and done, I would say, I don't really care what their names are. I don't really care about anything else. Those are probably pretty good options. That's, that's the Hideki speed stuff. So I'm just trying to like, paint the picture here because it's really easy to get locked in on Tom Kim, which I, I mean, he's awesome. That's great. Corey Con- like it's really easy to get locked in on this stuff, but zooming out a little bit, there's two guys that I think are like your big game theory options. Right. And I don't claim, I like I struggled last year and one and done. I was friendly with the guy who won it all. And I am friendly with some guys who've had like massive, massive success in one and done. And if you ask them their strategy, Rick, the one thing that they will say is essentially you could do so much worse than literally every single week, just looking at DraftKings ownership and taking the guy over 9.5 K with the lowest ownership. Yeah. Like if you just rolled out that strategy every single week, I think you would be surprised at how well you do in one and done. Yeah, there was a time it didn't happen last year because there were so many I had to make so many scheduling changes because of live and everything else. But there were multiple years in a row that when I set my lineup before the year started, that lineup outperformed the one that I did weekly because I was not susceptible to recency bias or these week in week out whatever's I just set it all in advance and let it fly. Yeah, you fall victim to recency bias and how a player looked last week. And we're all guilty of it. Right. And again, this isn't me. Like no one is surprised if Tom Kim wins this week by five strokes. I'm just presenting an alternative strategy of game theory of what you could do if you're trying to get off of him. Yes. So, um, for our purposes, uh, last week we went with cam young. That was me. 265,000. You went with Seamus Power, 213,000. So we are. Wait, so what did those guys finish? Because that feels like a lot of money. Yeah, well, they finished, let's see, Cam Young T13, Seamus T25, but the min payout was 200,000. Yeah. 
Well, elevated event, $15 million purse. We've got, what, half of that this week and 144 players? Correct. What is it? A $7.9 million purse? $8 million purse? $7.9 million purse. That's right. Okay. So is it your turn? We've already talked through strategy for the bigger one. So for me and you, is it your turn to go first or mine? Uh, It's mine. We decided whoever's in the lead has to go first or else it turns into a chasing your tail situation. Um, Yeah, I'll just just go with Hideki. Okay. And just for me and you, I'll just go with Tom Kim. Because yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to use him in the bigger ones. Yeah, I'm not going to bet him at twelve to one. Yeah. So I that that it was either Hideki or Tom Kim, right? And I think that I'm just gonna I'll just save Tom Kim and roll out Hideki. But yes, that that those were those had to be the plays there. Yeah, Especially if after you find out that I use Hideki, you have to use Tom Kim. Yeah. If you're a big futures guy, Rick, look into that Tom Kim players number. I think that I I like that a lot. And you know. I'm lower on Tom Kim than most. So when I advocate for him, I really mean it. I think that he is a really good bet to win at Sawgrass. Um, DraftKings has him at 35 to one right now. That's a good bet. A same good bet. as same as Brooks, Bryson, Lowry, Sungjae, and Tony yeah. Finau. Yeah, it's a good bet. That's mm. a good bet. Just saying it right now. It's a good bet. All right, Andy Lack. Uh, his, his New York golf club is going out and posting four starters this week. We'll see how that, how that goes for him against the Palm beach coconuts. But, uh, you can find him on Twitter at ADP lack sports producer. Mina does all that hard work behind the scenes and you can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been your betting preview for this week's Sony open. Good luck.